we'll talk. I've got the paper over here too, so I can kind of. <laughs> you you gonna start like reading through the obits or something? Well, <laughs> dude, that could be. A... <laughs> Would our listeners like the obit? I mean, that'd be kind of a fun thing, man, to honor some of some of those who have gone before us. You know, that wouldn't be such a bad idea for an episode. <laughs> um, that's a Halloween special. A little Halloween special. We only do it once a year around the thirty first. I think we could. I think they'd give us a little leeway to do that. People have been definitely been asking about it, so I mean, I think it's something we need to bring to the bring to the audience. All right. Well, I will. Uh, yeah, I'll grab I'll grab the Chronicle and we can <laughs> poke around a little bit and see what's going on. shit he just hit the start button folks let the party begin here we are code coffee and code cast episode x that's right episode x we got a big celebration today we've reached our x episode kind of in true like all the big guys do this kyle we skipped over nine and go right to ten we talked about this we actually talked about this on a couple of episodes Talked about it earlier, I think, one of the first episodes. Why is it the Windows doesn't have a Windows 9? There's no iPhone 9. Hmm. I had looked this up at one point uh, in our show because we wanted to kind of find the solidified answer, and most of them seem to be versions. They want to hop to version 10 because they want to have some major, major uh, milestone version. So they'll just be like, they'll go from 8 to 10. Or in our case, we go from uh, 8 to 10 as well, because we have a major milestone that we're uh, celebrating here, right? Damn straight. We got our first guest is on the show, Mr. Joseph Bully, a esteemed colleague, good friend, fellow software developer. I'm going to let him introduce himself. Mr. Joseph Bully, welcome to the podcast. Hey, how's it going? My name is Joseph. I'm a software developer and I'm here. Just for the record, this is the second time we've done this because I fucked up, so it's my fault. Kyle forgot to hit the record button. I mean, it's all in the details. Yeah, I said some nice things about you guys. You're not going to get that out of me again. (laughs) (laughs) It took a lot to muster that up the first time. (laughs) I understand. That's asking a lot. I can't uh, inflate your guys' egos too much. Oh, he's taking a line out of my (laughs) book. Well, all right, Mr. Bully, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. I've got a new game that we want to play here. It's something that I want to introduce, a little get-to-know-you better. I'm calling it How I Dev, hashtag How I Dev. And so I've got a few questions for you. Nothing, Not too many curveballs, but just a little bit more about your dev style, what you're up to. I have some questions. I think it would be interesting to know when we bring people on, and even if you're not on the show, Use this hashtag and let us know how you dev. And so I've got some questions like about your dev environment, your setup, your beverages of choice. It is a coffee codecast. We have to mention something about coffee or at least about beverages, favorite music, stuff like that. Hashtag how I dev. So yeah, we'll let Bully start it off and then, you know, we'll let Kyle get in there and I might do it. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Favorite music is the first thing, right? Yeah, like what when you're when you're in the zone, when you're in the zen state of 
software development? Well, I listen to a lot of different things, uh, like ranging topic, ranging a far variety of music. Uh, right now, I've been really digging um, Odessa. It's a, originally a local band. Uh, they started in Western Washington University. Um, and they're kind of like chill, electronic music. Um, they're actually coming to Seattle in March, and I got tickets to see them. So I'm pretty excited for that. Familiar with the band. I have not did not realize they were from Western Washington. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of, actually a lot of people I know are going to that. They're like pretty popular. They, they released a new album uh, a couple months ago. It's really good. Excellent. Okay, so Deza, uh, any other playlists or what do you do? Do you Spotify? Oh, yeah, Spotify Premium. Spotify Premium. Okay, excellent. I do, uh, yeah, I listen to like electronic music and then I'll also listen to like a lot of um, podcasts. I like, I'm, I listen to the Vergecast today. It's pretty good. Awesome. How about, uh, I don't know, beverages? Are you a coffee guy? Coffee, tea, water? Coffee in the morning. Water for the rest of the day. Oh, how many cups? Of co- one cup of coffee, double shot espresso made by our espresso machine. Oh, shout out to the Breville Quote yeah. Wizard coffee machine. That thing is clutch. They get the good shit when I leave. See, like when I was there, it was just like diner coffee, you know, in the little foil bag that's been sitting there for nine months. Yeah. I remember one morning somebody was making espresso when I went in to go make mine, and I was like, oh, I don't have time for this. And I go upstairs and have some of the coffee, and I was like, well, it's terrible. <laughs> On the topic of coffee, by the way, I want a big shout out to our buddy Simon, our, our big fan, fan since episode one, sent some beans over for the holidays over to the Coffee Codecast. Cracked into said beans this, this last week, and I'm very impressed. Very good stuff. The It was the... I believe it was actually the Rwanda blend. I, I called it wrong the last time, but it was it's a reserve blend. And it was my first time having reserve beans. And uh I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was great. I would do it again. Send uh send about half of that bag my way, will you? Yeah, I can bring it. I'll I'll throw it in my bag. Uh I'm making a trip out to Seattle tomorrow. I can bring some out there for you. There we go. Yeah, you're not a soda guy. I don't think I ever see you cracking a soda or anything like that. I I I allow myself one Dr. Pepper a week. I try and I, I figure since you're sitting in a desk all day, just like you're only moving your hands and it's uh, not like an active, as active as a lifestyle as I led in college, I need to compensate with my food choices. Probably a good, probably a good tip. Yeah. Very interesting. One cupper, a one cup coffee guy and a water the rest of the day. Very good. Very showing some good restraint here. This is, I'm impressed. Tell us a little bit about your office setup. Um, well, I have one of those big uh, 4K monitors. It's pretty nice. I have a um, mechanical keyboard. We we got a bunch of those one day at the office, and I don't like my mouse a whole lot. It's like a little wireless, like Microsoft mouse. I think it's mostly for travel, but I use that as a desk thing. And the one thing I will recommend is the large mouse pad. I think Kyle um, got one of those after he saw mine. Is that like the wide one that covers the keyboard and the mouse? Yeah, I have one of those at home. My one at the office is like smaller. It's probably like a third of that, but it's still pretty nice. Yeah, okay. You already covered the old mechanical. Yeah, sweet. Anything else that you want to tell us about for your perfect Zen state? Do you do any kind of stretching or anything? Do you have a stand-up? No, you're a sit-down guy. Sit-down guy. I don't know if I would stand up. 
I'm, I, my legs get tired. I don't know. Nah, I think I'm good. Cool. Well, we're really happy to have you here today, Joseph. I know we're going to at least have you on as a guest today, and who knows, maybe have you back on other episodes if you're if we don't scare you off too much. We'll see how this goes. We'll see how um, it's received. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So for all of our listeners out there, let us know. Give us some feedback on Joseph Bully. Give us the old yay or nay. And also, too, we want to get our we want to get our listeners involved a little bit more. So play along with us on on our little segment, How I Dev. Hashtag how I dev. Let us know. What are your secrets? What are your, what does your Zen state look like? Music, beverages, coffee, tea, office setup, mechanical keyboard, whatever it is. Let us know what you use in your, in your, uh, environment. I think one other thing to note too is, uh, to Bully's point is that it's going to take a minute, uh, to figure out how, how it sounds or works or feels. Um, we, we, had a little snafu here earlier where we forgot or I forgot to hit the record button and uh <laughs> it was a little rough slog there for the beginning. Um and that's probably gonna happen just as we try and figure out how to work with three people instead of two. So there's gonna be bumps in the road or it's gonna change a little bit. So just gotta figure out how we wanna proceed and it's gonna feel uncomfortable for a while, I guess is what I'm trying to get at, long story short. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, that's just that's that's the way we do things here. I mean, we're we're all about change. You know, change isn't always comfortable, is it? So, you know, we've done nine episodes. We've made a few changes along the way so far, but I think this is good. The reason why we wanted to bring Joseph on too, other than just because get that young youth perspective here. Uh, you know, we had that episode on net neutrality a few back, and Joseph had some good feedback for us. I think I mentioned this already, but he has some good feedback for us and just challenged us on a few points and, and seemed to know a lot more about it even than we did. And so we said, you know, this is what we want to do. We want to have more of uh, more diversity on the show in terms of opinions and experience. And so we're looking for other, other uh, points of view. We're looking for other topics that are interesting to bring on the show and cover. So this is our first attempt at it. KJ, you got anything else for us or should we move it along? Let's uh, move on to show notes. Do that real quick. So we got, um, we're going to have an update this week to the way the podcast is put out. So in the previous weeks, we've been publishing with pretty ridiculously high quality. Um, 256 kilobits per second is what the bitrate was on the files that we were outputting, which is, what is that sound? Somebody have a baby? No, that's my cat. Holy oh. shit! Sounded like a kid. Sorry, she she's pretty vocal. I can put her. I can move her. <laughs> I thought Bully would. Bully left a couple questions off of the how I dev part there. There's a little get to know you. I didn't know about him. <laughs> I dev with a pack and play right next to my desk. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, now that you cat shut the fuck up. Uh, where was I? I was talking about, uh, the quality of the show is really, really high. We were publishing at, uh, about 256, uh, kilobits per second. Damn. As a bitrate, which for us, who listen to it on some pretty decent speakers and that sort of thing, especially you, Mike, I think, who has the whole DAC amp and all that kind of thing, it, it probably sounded really, really great, but for the vast majority of people, who listen to it on earbuds or whatever, uh, there's no perceivable difference really. So we're going to cut that down by a pretty significant margin. I think we're going to start publishing at 64 kilobits per second, which will make the files something like 
a quarter or something like that. I mean, they'll be like 30 meg or something instead of 130. So just keep an eye out for that. If you notice anything, uh, if it sounds like crap, uh, let us know and we'll up it a little bit more. But hopefully that'll save some space for people and for us as well on our hosting platform. Yeah, we're trying to find the right balance between quality and convenience and price and all of that kind of stuff. Like if we don't need to have it that large, we were running, we were hitting ceilings on our hosting cap pretty quickly with the number of podcasts we're doing right now. So if we don't need to have it that high and it can give us a little more wiggle room to post at our current rate, then I think that's a good thing. So uh, we'll give it a shot and see how it goes. The test run didn't seem that bad. We did a little trial run downsizing a few of the earlier shows, and I, I thought there was very little difference, so I think we're okay. Yeah, I, for me, I couldn't couldn't hear anything, but I think you caught a few little artifacts, but you got a pretty nice setup. Yeah. Anyway, that's the deal. Let us know what you hear about that. Today's topic is uh, net neutrality, part two, with uh, featuring, featuring Joseph Bully. Yeah, that's right. We wanted to bring Bully back in because he gave, he had a few good points when we were talking and uh after that last episode, after part one, we thought, well hey, let's let's get him in here to set us straight. Why don't you set us straight? Give it set the record straight, Bully. I'll try and set you guys straight. So I actually thought you guys did a pretty good job at like um doing like the surface issue of net net neutrality and kind of like what happened in the news. But um I've been researching it a lot and there's like a lot more that kind of goes into the policy here uh, that the FCC changed and how it got to the way it was. So I'll start with a little, I'll start with a little history. So the FCC is the Federal Communications Committee, right? And they regulate commission, yeah, and they uh, regulate a large uh, swath of telecommunication industries, and they're all classified under different titles. So. Internet can be classified under one of two titles, uh, Title I and Title II. Title I makes them an information service, and Title II is more like of a utility service. Basically, uh, historically, Internet has been uh, regulated under Title I for a long time, but we've always had net neutrality rules. Verizon won like a pretty crucial court case a uh, while back that basically said you can't enforce net neutrality rules under a Title I classification. So um, they were moved to a Title II classification, which makes them a utility. And other things that are regulated like this are electric electricity companies, telephone lines, and things like water are regulated like this. And when was that done? That was done in the Obama administration, right? Like sometime in 20... No, what time? When was that? That was like... Like 2010, maybe? I think the court case took a number of years. Verizon's suit against the FCC took a number of years. And then after they won that lawsuit, a couple months later, like within half of a year, I'm pretty sure, they were moved to a Title II classification and the net neutrality rules were reinstated. That was decided in January 14th, 2014. Oh, okay. It wasn't around very long in Title II when they wanted to get rid of it, right? I mean, there was... Because I think the, the first push to repeal net neutrality would have been about three years ago. Yeah, it's it's been going on for a while, but it hasn't really caught any traction until the uh, Ajit Pai, the new head of the FCC, was um, appointed. And uh, Title II is kind of special, too, because it basically regulates these markets like a monopoly. So 
a lot of people think uh, internet service providers are a monopolistic industry because it's expensive to lay down um, lines. Um, and you, you only really have one or maybe two choices of internet service provider if you're lucky. And so um, like electricity companies are a great example. They're regulated uh, kind of like this and they are uh, electricity companies are regulated more heavily than internet service provider companies. So like under title two, if, if the government really wanted to, they could regulate exactly what pricing schemes Comcast or Time Warner could sell internet to people, but they haven't done that. So yeah, any questions <laughs> for, for that portion? No, no, I'm following along. Yeah, this is, yeah, that's good. Some good additional clarity on it. It makes sense. And that was one of the things that we talked about last time too. It makes sense that it would be treated as a utility. I think that for a lot of reasons, right? Infrastructure costs being one of them and, and because of the limited options. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but I think we alluded to it, you know, everybody, everybody needs it. It's, it's, uh, you can't, I don't know how people get along these days without internet, right? Everything requires internet, whether it's a job or signing up for another utility, right? You need the internet to do these things, generally speaking. So it needs to be treated as such. Yeah. And there's some element of that. We didn't really get into it, but you can, there is some level of access at the community level. I know that libraries have terminals that you can access and they're free, right? Like your taxes pay for that. You can go in and use a machine with your library card or even rent a laptop, those things do exist, but you know this this is a bigger issue of just making it fair and accessible to to the masses right and so there are arguments that people have made for moving uh, internet service providers back under a title one regulation and so I was going to go over a couple of those um, one was the uh, the regulation of pricing schemes the FCC could tell uh, Comcast and Time Warner and AT&T and Verizon basically exactly what they can price internet at. And there's not a whole lot of support for that. And they haven't done that, which could be a good or bad thing. But there's not a lot of support for that from who? From the ISP companies. The ISP companies definitely don't want the government to tell them what they can, can and can't sell internet rates at, I guess. And because they make less money. Um, and I don't think there has been a lot of support for that from the public either. Like you haven't, it's mostly been a fight for net neutrality. And then it's, uh, I feel like the public has kind of backed off at that point. Like that's, that's the line we want to draw. And when, I don't know, under, uh, under title two, it could be that we say, um, Internet should be should be priced less, and you have to sell these certain packages to consumers to make it more accessible for everyone. So the public cares less about pricing than they do about the freedom, free flowing information, or or like Mike said, the uh, that their packets aren't being downgraded in any way. Yes, that's what I, that's what I would say because you don't really see like a fight for. I guess regulating pricing schemes of internet companies. You know, you don't really, you don't really see uh, like local governments and state governments trying to um, regulate those companies more. It was always just like, no, treat all information equal. There's also the argument that by squeezing unusual use cases, uh, service can get better for the average user. So what that means is like, if you have, a, if you have like a one terabyte data cap here, we have a one terabyte data cap that Comcast imposes upon um, residential internet. If you, most people aren't going to go over that cap. So by charging 
an unusual use case, uh, like a person who downloads more than a terabyte a month of data, you can make service, you can make the market more profitable and build out better service for everybody else who doesn't go over that cap. That's the example of uh, my guy that was uh, streaming his his HBO to 30,000 of his best buddies. Yeah, there, <laughs> there you go. There you go. So it, it makes the market more profitable is the main takeaway there. And another thing is that some people don't think that internet service providers have a monopoly on this market. So uh, deregulating the market will allow other competitors to come into the market and maybe you'll get more options for internet and maybe it'll become more competitive and you won't just see like people just having access to Comcast in, in an area. I think that's an interesting argument only because the... The lines are ten, tend to be owned by about two companies in the United States, generally speaking. So unless they're going to get into the business of some sort of really wide broadcast wireless there's or satellite, I guess, there's it's going to be incredibly expensive for somebody to get into the market, even in a small way. So some people some people don't think that is a very high there's a very high cost to getting into the market that way, but a lot of people think there is and there is an argument to be had there. And I think those are those are the three main arguments I made for moving internet service providers back to under a Title I regulation. There, I also have a section for um, arguments for rating ISPs under Title II. So a big issue here is that um, Comcast is, for an example, is becoming um, vertically integrated with content providers. So. Uh, Comcast is a majority investor in BuzzFeed, and I think they own NBC Universal. I believe you're right. Yeah. So what they could potentially do is they could, if they're not treating all traffic to and from your computer equally, they could throttle competitors and give a boost to their content. And this has happened before. I think it was um, Verizon was throttling Skype data and promoting FaceTime data. I was going to say, this is one of the big arguments that you see whenever you hear net neutrality. This is like one of two topics that's kind of like the big buzz buzzworthy items that you hear is that, yeah, the big the bigger companies like Comcast are going to start to give priority to their their content and their traffic and, and downgrade everybody else's content. So that's, yeah, one of the very large arguments that you hear whenever this comes yeah, up. Yeah, and you, you don't really have a choice. Like you can't say... Oh, I I can either choose from the Comcast package or I can choose from the Time Warner slash Disney package. You know, like whatever is in your city is what you're going to get. So it's kind of shitty for the consumer. And basically, there there's also an argument for deregulation. Like that's a big thing in, I feel like, a lot of American society is like, get the government out of business, like deregulate the market so that it becomes more profitable. And my response to that is that you're not really deregulating the market because you're mo- you're taking away government regulation and you're allowing the company to regulate what you can what you can and can't do. Regulation isn't going away; it's just being delegated to the company at that point to the ISP. Not that that would be my argument there, um, and I can clarify on that. Like you're you're deregulating one market, but the cost is going to come from. A, a different market. So say you have a mom and pop shop that is trying to compete with uh, a Comcast owned uh, content provider. Most people are going to go to whichever website has the better service. And 
if if uh, the mom and pop shop is getting throttled heavily, then they're going to have a harder time entering into uh, that market and competing with the um, Comcast shop. Right. I think Mike alluded to this in the other episode where he was kind of comparing YouTube versus, you know, Coffee Code Cast Tube. You know, YouTube's going to have a, a dramatic advantage and be able to create business partnerships with, you know, whatever large company, whereas a little startup like Coffee Code Cast Videos or whatever it is, is not going to be able to make a splash in the market because they're going to not have the deals worked out with the major companies. So I, th- I think while you're making, you might be making the internet service provider market more profitable, it's at the cost of the profitability of other markets. And it's my argument that the open internet provokes, uh, promotes uh, business opportunities and innovation in those markets. And they, the profitability in those sectors is going to outweigh the cost of net, neut- net neutrality regulation on the ISPs. There's also, there's also the fact that like, if you're arguing for more profitability in the internet service provider market, there's also a, there's also been conflicts of interest in the past because Comcast has actively lobbied against municipal internet services in towns across the um, U.S. Like Fort Collins is a great example right now. They're they're trying to pass a bill to get municipal municipal internet service, and uh, there's a bunch of ads floating around or down there um, that are basically paid for by Comcast. And I can send you guys a link to those actually after if you want to include that. Um, I guess that's, uh, that's the crux of my argument right there. That's basically what I came to say. There's other issues. So not only you're saying they can effectively stifle other competitors by throttling them, but they're actively marketing against them in this case as well. Yeah. So they're not only are they are they using their infrastructure to throttle competitors, they're also using the money that they're making off of their infrastructure to advertise against competitors and uh make it harder for people to enter the market anyways. And so that's why it's it kind of like it's kind of counterintuitive because on one hand they're arguing that deregulating ISPs will make the market more profitable and and promote investment into that market. But then they're also fighting against competitors. Oh yeah, another another thing was like a lot of a large amount of money went into lobbying for this ruling from those companies. Uh, I cited an example uh, where Verizon and AT and T both spent over a quarter of a billion dollars each lobbying to um, make this change. And so I feel like that's like anti-consumer as well. Clearly, a motivation, a huge motivation for them to spend that kind of dollar. Yeah. Uh, another, a couple other points that I was making was like, um, internet service providers currently have the lowest satisfaction rating across all industries surveyed by the American Customer Satisfaction Index with an approval rating of 64%. No surprise there. <laughs> I don't think any, anybody's surprised by that. Well, and that's why I have a problem with the, the way that, that repeal was written because it says really more or less like to paraphrase, like, kind of in a good faith effort, you know, the ISPs are going to enforce, enforce these things as they see fit. Right. Like, I don't remember the exact language. I have to look it up again, but it was, it was when you're talking about something with with that kind of 64% approval rating, you know, if 
40% of the people don't approve or are not satisfied with the options or with the service that's being provided. I don't have a lot of confidence. If that's happening with net neutrality in place, then I don't have confidence that those scores are going to go up. They're going to go, they're going to go down even further, giving control to the ISPs. There's also a large public outcry, like against the net neutrality repeal coming out. And it was kind of ignored by uh, the people in charge. Yeah, you saw on websites all over the all over the world, basically gigantic banners and ads and different things that people were putting up to bring attention to this issue. I mean, it was crazy. Like I remember looking at Reddit on the day. I think it was a couple of days or the week before, and every every subreddit had a had a topic that was on the first page with with just like a link to to one particular site that talked about this thing that had uh, you know link on how to contact your representative or numbers to call, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, there was a crazy outcry, but it was totally just ignored. Yeah. It, it was kind of crazy how, and uh, there was also, there was also the issue with like people were finding um, on the, on the comments on the bill on FCC.gov, people were finding like dead relatives had uh, commented in favor of the repeal. And so, you know, <laughs> wow. you could, you could say whatever, whatever you want about that. I don't, Nobody ever found out who exactly did that, but there was somebody with a vested interest uh, promoting a certain viewpoint. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't hear that. Fascinating, Bully. Fascinating. I have a I have a personal thoughts section if you guys wanted to do personal thoughts. Well, my personal thoughts are that I think internet should be regulated just like a utility, you know? Instead of going the direction we're going or staying the direction, staying where we were like a year ago, I think it's feasible that we could go further and actually regulate ut- internet like a utility, just like electricity, roads, and water. Because I feel like everybody benefits from its equal use. And it's a lot like those markets. It's very hard to lay down infrastructure. Yes, Everybody, uh, business benefits from the internet, people benefit from the internet. And I feel like even though it is considered a luxury now, Eventually, it will be as integral to life in modern society as electricity, roads, and water. Well, it's already it's already that way in my book. Education, right? Education's a fundamental piece, and the internet delivers that. Textbooks, courses, video. I don't know. I don't know how you grow up without the internet and education, K through twelve education today. Homework's online, right? I mean, I I don't know all the all the systems that are out there anymore. But I know that even when I was, cause I came up later on and we used computers, but we didn't have the internet fully when I started going to school until later on. But by the time I was in college, that was the only way to turn in assignments for certain things. It was the only way to really communicate with professors. So clear to me, it's become something that's really ubiquitous. It's something that it's used. It's just like a road. You know, I couldn't imagine not being able to, get from one end of town to the other. Like people need to travel. People need to get to work or do whatever it is they need to do using physical infrastructure. And to me, the internet's no different in a virtual space. I know Christina's niece and nephews are still in school and even, even beyond homework, even things like school announcements, you know, no school today or whatever, you know, that there's an emergency on the campus or whatever it may be. Those are all broadcast via, via email or via the website or other, other electronic medium. There's no there's not really any other way to get that information. So I don't, again, to your point, I don't know how you get along today without, without internet. 
Yeah, my mom is even a, even a kindergarten teacher and uh, use uses online resources to teach students now. You know, at her school, I'm pretty sure that all the students have iPads that they bring home, get homework assignments, do uh, lessons on, and it's really it's been really beneficial. She said, and so I can't imagine like <laughs> you roll this back and you're moving back um, like five, ten years in terms of just educating children. Yeah, yeah, that's a. It's a good example why it needs to be a utility, why it needs to be regulated. And if you have people that want to abuse the hell out of it, you just charge them commensurate with their usage, right? Like then now you're going to have a big bill. If you want to run the heat and have a 120 degree house, you can 100 degrees. That's what you like to do. You're going to have a thousand dollar bill. Yeah, that gets back to the whole fairness thing, right? It's kind of fair, fair play to everybody. So pay for what you're using. Yeah. Well, good. That's, that's helpful. It's helpful to make that distinction between Title I and Title II. That was a more of a mucky area for me that I hadn't explored as in depth. So appreciate that. And just the other insights you had on that. So that's, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like uh, a lot of the focus was on like the surface issue of equal, co- uh, equal rights for content along lines, but not a whole lot of articles or points of view that I was reading into really got into how we went from 10, 20 years ago to where we are now and like the history of it and the legality and why both sides of the argument and why I think the way I do, I guess. Well, on that note, one more piece before we, before we move on, I want to talk about is just the future of the, of the issue, because even though there was a repeal, this is far from over. There's been a lot going on in the news in the last week or so, a couple of weeks Big tech getting involved. State government now is getting involved, joining the fight to protect net neutrality. I know in my new state of California that that one of our senators had released some legislation, proposing legislation this week to to enforce net neutrality at the state level. There's also the Congressional Review Act that's being uh, being used. Yes. Yeah, there are a few pieces that are out right now. Um, this is where I'm going to get a little iffy. The, this particular piece I'm talking about was Senate Bill 822. Senator Weiner in San Francisco promoted dueling legislation stating that the legislatures intend to effectuate net neutrality in California utilizing the state's regulatory powers. I read about that. Uh, the things I read about it were that it doesn't seem like it, it seems like the states could pass laws like that, but the FCC's, um, authority might override the state governments. Yeah. That's what I had read too, is that these were all pretty flimsy and really wouldn't stand up even if they did pass them. They're just kind of feel good legislation. Yeah. It's more of like a, I think it's more of like a point that they're trying to make rather than something that's actually going to work, which is fair. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, this is a broader issue, but the same sort of thing is already happening with federal versus state legislation of marijuana, for example. So I know that Trump now is trying to put other restrictions in place to tell the feds to ignore what's going on at the state level. I think it's his attorney general, not necessarily him, but... Well, he's pushing for it. There, there's a point of view that he might be trying to put put the squeeze on his attorney general that promised he wasn't going to touch uh, state regulation on marijuana is going back and trying to touch state regulation on marijuana. Yeah, very interesting. 
So anyway, there's 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 that outlet. There's there's other things going on too. There's a lawsuit right against the FCC from I think there's some big tech in there, big tech Etsy, and a, who else is in there now? There's a few others. Uh, yeah, I heard a number of companies, but I can't recall the names right off the top of my head. I thought Apple was one of them. Well, there was some of those some of the big dudes, some of the Fang. That's what they call them now, Fang. Familiar with that? No. Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. Wow. Netflix is in the uh, top four there, huh? Netflix is very profitable. Netflix is in like the top, I want to say 15 most profitable companies. Even when they were back doing DVD business, they were profitable. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. I wouldn't have counted them among that kind of profitability. Because when you think of Google, you think of like, given Google's much more profitable than Netflix probably, but I wouldn't have ranked Netflix among them. Yep. No, I wouldn't either. That was surprising to hear that they would be in the same leagues as those other companies. Yeah. So Etsy's filing a lawsuit. It had I thought they did file it already or they're in the process of arguing that their, their seller community is directly impacted by the order and urging the FCC to adopt strong net neutrality rules. And they're getting some other giants, Facebook and Google, aren't going to sue on their own. They can't, technically, because uh didn't file comments when the FCC was debating the repeal, so they're not eligible to petition. But they're going to – they're joining. A lot of the big brands in Silicon Valley are joining, striking through lobbying organizations, going, you know, backing up Etsy. And even – there's another component to it as well with it being midterm – midterm elections this year, they are trying to just get a massive rally from from the younger generation, you know, from the millennials to who are not happy about it overall, to hopefully turn over some seats. So if if it doesn't if it's not immediately over overturned or reinstated, however however you want to say it, through through the lawsuit, then there's other means too, right? Like let's just turn over some of those I think in the Senate right now it's a two person, it's a majority of two uh, on the Republican side and in the House, I think there's 24, 24 um, seats are needed to, to turn it over. So you're trying a couple different angles to this is going to be an issue that's going to be going on for a while. Yep. Yeah, I think I think that is exactly right. I think uh, this will be kind of a back and forth issue, kind of like a lot of them are as soon as a uh, another president sits down at the, the, the table. This is going to be one of the things that they're going to want to turn over right away. It's going to be one of their first first items of execution. Uh, so, yeah, I think there'll be a whole lot more that we'll hear about this over the coming weeks, days, months, and years. And uh, I think that was a very good roll-up. I think uh, that was a good deep dive. I think that's a lot more information than I knew about it or wanted to know about it. <laughs> oh, man. No, it's fine. It was good. I was just kidding. Big Chipper, you got to head out here shortly, right? What, what I'd like to do, we don't have a whole lot uh, to talk about, a whole lot else to cover here, but... It's exciting. I, I want to bring up some of the stuff that's happening at CES already, even though it's just, it just started today is the first official day of the, of the, uh, consumer electronics show in Vegas. But there's already been some really cool products that have been announced and things coming out. So why don't we talk a little CES? Yeah. I, so you said it just started today. So there's been a ton of, I've seen a ton of these items, uh, pop up and I didn't know. I had assumed that the show had already started because I've seen a lot of these items that you've got listed here. So how are these, are these getting like previewed on the floor or why are these already, you know, why are they already known about? 
Well, this is interesting to me. It's a good point because the XPS 13 is, is a good example of this, right? They were going to wait until CES to release details and pricing of the, of the machine. They did a, they did a sneak peek back in, back in late fall, early winter of this, uh, late fall of the changes, but they were going to hold out until the show. Well, they did, they did a little bit of an about face on that and they announced the pricing before the show even started. So technically people started showing up last week. There was some press events and some other things going on starting Sunday. So Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. But then, you know, Monday, Tuesday, I believe we're just Monday was a press event as well. And I don't think it was open to the general public. So I think today was the first day that it was generally open to the public. So the first item you have on here is the oh, this is different actually. I didn't I guess I forgot that these were different items. The first one is the LG rollable. OLED TV, which yeah, have you seen this? This is pretty badass, actually. I saw like a just a short article about it where they kind of showed it. Yeah, kind of in like a almost like you'd think of a rolled up newspaper, right? Exactly. It looks like it's in a housing that was kind of like the way I thought of it. it kind of looked like a housing that you'd have for a projector, like one of those motorized projectors, um, except it's not hanging from the ceiling; it's just sitting on a table. And then yeah, it kind of rolls out. It's a sixty-five inch. Uh, that they had on display and really very neat looking full K resolution rollable 18 inch display panel. Didn't look any different than other OLED TVs from people that were there checking it out. They know how much it's going to cost. It looks pretty cool. There's no pricing on it yet. Yeah. No pricing or availability yet. This is just a sneak peek. A lot of these things are preview. Like they're not even ready for production. They just kind of are showing like the coolest shit they have available that they've built, but they don't even have it ready to be like ramped up or anything like that. Got it. I think the same goes for the, the next one that's on the list there, the Samsung, the wall, which this one actually is the one that I was thinking of when I first looked at that other uh, item. This thing, this thing is pretty cool. So it's a, it's huge. Uh, and B it's, it's modular as I understand it. So you can effectively have kind of almost as big of a display as you want. Is that right? So you can kind of, have multiple, I don't know how to describe it, multiple panels. That's right. Yeah. These are massive panels, by the way, 146 inch panels. But yeah, you can, you can, I don't even know what you call it, chain them, stack them. Yeah. Chaining would be a good way to describe it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Have very limited seam. You can't, you can't really perceive the seam very easily. At least I think they said as, as long as it's running, you could maybe if it's not running. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. So it's huge. And there's the baby again. Sorry. <laughs> she's it really does sound like a baby. She's, a talk, she's such a talker. <laughs> I don't have a child, by the way. We didn't go over we went over this when we weren't recording, I think. You're so young, Molly. I was just so surprised. I didn't know that about yourself. I have a cat. <laughs> so yeah, you can basically put this Samsung wall television in theory, you could you could plaster an entire wall with these panels and have a, a TV the size of your wall without using like a projector or something like that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And they say that because of the scaling of it or the, the stacking, the chaining of it, that the resolution isn't predetermined either. So you can, you can increase the resolution as well. Well, and I think the other major thing here that is, is of note is that in, there's no backlight on it is what I was reading. So each LED is an actual has its actual own light. 
um, which is supposed to make all the colors be pretty amazing and, you know, the blacks be true black and, and those sorts of things that make a really, really quality display picture. Nice. Um, and that's apparently a, brand, a pretty new technology or hasn't been done before. And I was reading that and that sounded pretty cool as well. Awesome stuff coming out on the TV front. There's always new TV stuff, but I've been waiting for the rollable LED and this stackable thing's kind of neat too. I don't know how I could stack it unless I had an auditorium in my home, but I still like it. Still cool shit. You could fill a wall in your in your place, I'm sure. You could just have your whole bedroom wall would be like your computer screen. I mean, that'd be pretty pimp. It'd be like that scene from V for Vendetta when that guy's like taking a shower and then there's a big giant TV screen like behind him. I think that's that movie. <laughs> and you just have like a whole wall as a TV screen. You could be an uh, an evil mastermind. Yeah, exactly. Throw away that damn curved screen that you got. Now you have a whole wall. Hey, I just got the curved screen. It's only a couple weeks old. It's old, it's old news, dude. <sighs> <laughs> well, it actually is old news because LG did come out with a couple new. They have a new 5K curved that they i knew it was coming out but i didn't care because it was out of my price range anyway and this is pretty damn nice can't always have the best stuff that's the one bad thing about tech is like as soon as you get your new cool gadget yeah and something something even newer and cooler comes out it always it's inevitable what can you do it has to be cool enough for me i did get ahead on the xps 13 it's gonna be a little while before that before something else comes out there to top that yeah, I mean, how long did how long did the current iteration of that stick around? That was several years, at least, right? Yeah, the design has been around for three years, so it didn't it didn't change. Yeah. So aside from maybe a spec boost in processor and maybe a little more RAM, you probably aren't going to get a whole lot of difference there. That's right. Yeah, that, that's right. Not not much different there. And 4K, I don't know how long. I don't know that I'll need more than 4K resolution in the next few years on my 13 inch display. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how these higher resolution monitors continue to move forward. I, there's at some point we're going to hit a hit a hit a wall where nobody's going to care anymore. I don't know where that is, but it's it's going to happen eventually. Yeah, it could change. It could just change too because there was a thing with processors forever, right? Where it was all about how many gigahertz, and so everything was based on. It was before Intel changed it up. You had you know, you had Pentium, 386-46 Pentium and, and shit like that. But then you also had processor speed. It was always like, oh, yeah, the 2.1 gigahertz model. And you don't see that anymore. Hey, it's now. not easy to find. You might want to slow down and, and, you know, go back a few years. Bully here, you just lost him. Uh, speaking of processors, did you guys hear about the, uh, the, t- the basically it's a branching and uh, uh, predictive processing hack that, was released. I think it was Meltdown Inspector. Oh boy, that's a, that's a big topic for another show. Yeah, I can. I would love for you to lead the charge on this. There's so much coming out about it right now. I, I read the uh, the first portions of the Google papers about those, and basically, uh, the only thing I'll say now is that it's not just Intel that might be affected. Yeah, I want you to explain that and and give me the the short version of this because I want to get into it deeper next time. So I don't give too much away, but what what's going on there? It threw me for a loop because it started out being an Intel issue. And then I recognized that Apple said, Oh, all of our phones are affected. And so it got me wondering, do you know, does, does Intel make the a nine chip and the a series chips for Apple? So this is technology that's been out for years and years. Um, basically like 
I don't know the exact term for it, but I'm going to call it predictive processing and like branching is the uh, idea that your processor, you don't want to get caught into uh, a locking mode. So like if one of your processes dependent, depends upon another process to finish, say you say you're uh, executing one function and while that function's running, you don't have the enough data to execute your other function your processor will actually go forward and say, well, if I, I'm stuck in this loop and I've been doing the same thing for a long time, so I'm going to keep on executing ahead forward in this loop. And even though I don't have, um, I can't go to this other step or, or I'm waiting for something else, I'm going to do what I can while I can while I'm waiting for other data to come back to me. And then when that data is ready, I'll finish the I'll finish the task and move on to the next thing. And so basically your your processor will predict what it needs to do next before it needs to do it. And some of that some of that gets into uh restricted memory locations like kernel memory. And um if you and I'm really reaching because I don't know a whole lot about it right now, but basically if you um you can Think of it as like, uh, think of it as like you're gonna, I heard this on a different podcast. Think of it like you're gonna rob a bank. Like, so you go up to the bank wall and the, uh, you try and get in the door and the door's locked. So you can't, you can't get in. In an alternate reality, your, your, yourself would go up to the door. The door wouldn't be locked. You would open it, go inside and find, uh, Kyle's Netflix password on the ground. And, then uh, the other you that got stuck outside the door is listening in on that other reality you that found the password, and that guy whispers the password, and you now know Kyle's Netflix password. Holy shit, I feel like I just took a trip to the Matrix there, KJ. Yeah, I hope I can uh, give a better explanation <laughs> in the future. No, this is cool. I, I would love to. I would love to hear more about it. I think we should... Bring that one. Let's that. Let's just make that a little bit of the teaser here for next time. Is that we're going to get in a little bit more of this? This it's been all over the place the last couple of weeks. This these stories breaking. Call it a Spectre and was the other meltdown and Spectre right are the two 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 issues right now. Yeah, and it, it's it's basically an exploit for an advancement in computing that's been around for 10, 20 years. And so if we stop doing the things that are exploitable then we're going we're going back a long ways in computing power yeah here i found it it says uh explaining meltdown to non-technical spouse and then it says in quotes uh you know how we finish each other's sandwiches sandwiches (laughs) sandwiches yeah no sentences but you guess sandwiches in your mind for it was in your mind for an instant and it was a password and someone stole it while it was sitting there fleeting. And then they respond, oh, that is bad. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of a, a pretty basic way to describe it. Interesting. Yeah, I can't say I fully understand it yet, but I'd like to get into it a little bit more. I'll, I'll read the Google Papers and report back. That'd be a good one for our next one for number 11. So I'll jump back up briefly. I'll try to get through this really briefly, but just some of the new announcements out of CES. So we talked about the TVs and the the rollable OLED and the and the Samsung wall and there is one item that I'm super excited about which is this this concept from Fold Foldymate 
You guys have heard of FoldyMate.com has a new product coming out. It's a prototype at CES. It's the ultimate. It's not going to iron your shirt, bitch, for you, KJ. Damn it. Not quite that, not quite that sophisticated. So I can't throw away the iron yet. You can't throw away the iron, but you can have it fold the shirt. Fold this is my a shirt. Pseudo bitch. fold my shirt. <laughs> I don't know if it has a Alexa integration yet either, but this is a pretty cool piece of tech right here. I watched the video and it's impressive. I was watching the video as well. I Yeah, I think it's a pretty interesting piece of technology. It's very large. Yeah, it looks like an old uh, library printer, maybe size. I don't know. It's it's a floor standing unit, right? Maybe more accurately described as like a dorm fridge or something. It looks like a printer. Yeah, it looks like a printer. That's why I was thinking like a library printer thing, but it's like it's it's floor standing. It's I don't know the dimensions on it exactly. It's probably three, four feet tall. I don't know if it would fit under a counter or not. I think countertop height's like 36 or 42 inches in that range. So this is going to be somewhere in the ballpark of that. I want to see a demo. This, it seems like you have to like unfold your shirts and like feed it and feed them in there like flat anyways. You can't just like, no, no, no. You can't just like throw shit in the hamper and it comes out folded. Like that's what I want. Yeah, this is not a, you're just going to take your whole basket of laundry, dump it into some box, and it's all going to come out folded beautifully. That's not how this works, unfortunately. That's lame. These damn millennials, always trying to raise the bar, always trying to knock shit down. This is fucking cool. I mean, back in the day. Dude, I have to do half the work anyways. I have to, like... like half the work? Yeah, you oh. you got to, like, take it out of the basket and, like, oh. make sure it's in, uh, right side in and, like, feed it in. It's like, it feels like a vending machine, you know? Like... You you put the dollar in and then it's gonna go like burr, 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 and like feed it back out to you like I'm no, kind of with Bully no, no. on this I think it's I think it yeah I mean you're oh, saving yourself a little bit of work but I think I don't know you're you're not you're still having to sit there and manage it manually I, no. I don't know. yeah and then what if it takes like I I don't know like you fold your you fold your own clothes like probably five seconds each what if it takes like a couple extra seconds each to like fold the clothes it's almost more efficient for me to like instead of sand, standing there feeding it clothes the whole time for me to just fold it myself sell us on it Mike sell us on it folding clothes sucks shit it's the worst part about the whole thing so well that's that's your real issue is that you don't fold the that's why see I understand now it's creating more work for you because it's a step that you already don't have in your in your workflow but damn it for the rest of us who like don't like wrinkles in our shit I'm telling you you go to the dryer and you got to get the shit out of there anyway so you take it out of the dryer usually what throw it on the bed and then you got to get the hangers if you're going to hang it up something's hang something's got to fold them up so I got to lay it down and crease it over and make sure that it's I don't want to put the crease in the wrong place no, no, no. Like with this, you just take the shit out of the dryer. You can still throw it on the bed if that's what you want to do. And then you just take one item at a time and you feed it into the feeder. And next thing you know, when you're done feeding all of your articles of clothing and your towels, it's not just shirts, button-up shirts, t-shirts, jeans, uh, and towels. towels. Oh, towels. Yeah. Socks. You th throw Hoodies, them all in there. and Sweatshirts. You name it. You throw it in there. And you open the bin at the bottom and... You got a nice stack of neatly folded clothes. I thought I read that it wasn't able to fold quite a number of things. Oh, maybe I was wrong. Maybe, maybe not socks. Any, maybe not any socks. type of shirt, blouse, or pants. Oh, if you're a fatty, it won't yeah. handle you. It'll only do uh, it'll only do age five to adult size double XL. So you know, if you're if you're rocking the triple or the quad XL, then or if you're five years old, four years old, 
It'll also fold uh, standard size towels and pillowcases, it says. So pretty much everything. Yeah, look at that. Pretty much everything. That's impressive. Yeah, I'll be honest. It was cool. It's cool. It's a very cool technology. I think it'd be even more, it'd be made better if it was able to do exactly what Joseph says. I'm, I'm of the same mindset because I don't, I'm already, I feel like the only thing that it's doing is it's folding it maybe in a consistent manner, whereas in, as a human, you're not going to. The steps to folding are the same. I mean, you still have to feed it in there, whereas like Joseph said, you know, I could just sit there and fold it myself and be done in about the same time as I have to feed it into this machine. So to me, there's not a ton of value there aside from you're going to get the same type of fold every time. And to me, that's, I don't know, not, not worth a thousand bucks, I guess. Well, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold my thoughts out until I see this thing in the real world here. I, I think the initial impressions are positive. I like a consistent fold. I want it to be done the same way every time. I don't want it to get wrinkly because doing it myself just is, it's an imperfect thing and I hate, and I hate doing it. So. For me, I have a little space next to the stackable washer and dryer. I could have that thing up against the wall over there and open the door on the dryer, feed a few items of clothing and some shit in there. Have a nice day. Well, I'll send you my uh, I'll send you my baskets of laundry, and you can fold them through your machine. I'll charge you a buck an item. I you give me a thousand items. It pays for my unit. You get some <laughs> nice folded shit. I think everybody wins. There you go. You got a service bringing up right in front of you. I think I'm gonna do that. You know, there was a guy that did that with uh, with. Photo scanning, you know. Well, there's a little there was a little blurb about him because he was doing batch processing of photos, convert your print photos into digital, and was it Epson came out with a high speed scanner? It'll do some ridiculous amount. It's like a thousand bucks. It's the same idea. It's a thousand bucks or something like. Maybe it's not that much. Several hundred dollars, five hundred to a grand, but this thing will do five hundred photos an hour or something stupid like that. And so they were. They were trying to knock him out at the kneecaps, and so they were advertising. They're doing Google AdWords and stuff like on his search terms, so that they would just buy the high-speed printer and send it, sending them off to this guy. But yeah, that's the, that's the good folks over at foldymate.com. At foldmate is their Twitter, but I I thought that was neat. I thought it was pretty cool. There's a lot of stuff at CES that's way way farther out there. I think like like the luggage that drives itself and then crashes into shit. Did you see that? <laughs> no, but I did see that the FAA was banning that sort of luggage. Well, that's that's another problem. Any of those, particularly if it has batteries, lithium-ion, that sort of thing, a lot of the airlines aren't going to allow that shit to be checked in yeah. or you know, on the airplane. So I don't even know if you'll be able to carry some of that stuff on. got to be careful before you go spend a bunch of money on that. I think to be fair on this whole laundry folding thing, I think to to give it all fairness, it's a, it's a cool technology, and, and I think it could be – further pushed forward and and do some very very cool things I, I think right now like yes it is it does have a value but for me it's not high enough to justify the cost of it but i think in future iterations i might be very interested in the product so yeah that's 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 where i'm at i'm not going to go spend thousand bucks by the way you can't even if you want to it's not going to ship until the end of next year 2019 q4 so you're going to wait. And then maybe by then, who knows? The price of folding laundry might go down a few hundred bucks. <laughs> we'll have robots that'll do that shit for us. Or you can do it for the low, low price of free. <laughs> you mean not doing it? Yeah, basically. I, I hang clothes, by the way. I don't even fold them. Well, I would fold more if I had a folding machine. How about that? I guess. I guess that's one way of looking at it. I would have a dresser and I would I'd fold shit and put it in the dresser. 
Yeah, this thing was doing all kinds of crazy shit, taking people out at CES. I don't even know what was happening, but it was <laughs> this is a robotic luggage. Okay. Had a little mind of its own. Is it just supposed to follow? I, like, I didn't get a, read the article because of the fucking audio, but is it basically just following like some sort of wristband or something that, that you hold so it knows where to go, or what's the deal? Yeah, I guess. I have no idea. This this is just this is this isn't the deep dive, damn it, Kyle. This is just the high level. Just here's some interesting shit at CES kind of a thing going on. Oh yeah, wristband. Yeah, you're right. You did you read a little bit more than I did. I didn't read a damn thing. I'm just that fucking smart. <laughs> Very nice. What's Ripple? Tell me about Ripple. Yeah, so I can't tell you a whole lot about it because I tried. It is not the it is not the cryptocurrency that's been fluctuating in the. You know, up and down in the news the last few days. Uh, not to be confused with the cryptocurrency. No, this is from the the good people over at Tinder. It's a it's a and actually I didn't tell you this, but I went to school with one of the co-founders there, so I don't talk to him a whole lot. But he put this link out on Facebook, and I saw it the other day, and uh, so I give him credit for the for the info because that's how I found out about it. But uh, but yeah, it's a it's a you know it's a Tinder esque kind of uh, application for social networking, professional networking. So think think Twitter meets LinkedIn. Not Twitter. I said Twitter a few times. Think Tinder meets LinkedIn. That's what Ripple is. So it's swipe left if you want to, don't want to meet up, and swipe right if you want them in your network or meet up. I don't know. It's like a... I haven't been able to try it because they, they released... I think they're in a hurry to get this out for CES and... It's out on uh, Google Play, and I downloaded it, but it kept crashing. I couldn't get signed in. I wasn't able to network. I'd be yeah, I'd be so, curious to know the use case there. That seems a little bit of an odd concept, but who knows? It probably works better than than what I can envision. Maybe you should uh, reach out to the guy and say, "Hey, come talk about this on the Coffee Codecast." Yeah, maybe he's pretty. He's he's pretty. He's got baller status, man. I don't know that he would have time to do that anymore. I mean, he was like on the ground floor. He was. He's one of the three or four guys that got, got that going. So, and he's still working for Tinder anyways, as far as I know. Is it like a separate app or does it integrate with your existing Tinder? No, no, it's a separate app. It's a, it's a spinoff from the company. It's so Tinder is owned by match now. Right. And so this is a match sponsored or match. It's, it's behind the match brand. They, they actually put a team together to do this project. Because there's some of those where the, they have like three different kinds. There's like the dating kind, the the friend kind, and then there's like a a group kind, and it's all rolled into one app. Oh no, that's not the intent behind this. This is really just supposed to be a, a LinkedIn separate app, separate interface. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's very very early and new. Like I said, I couldn't even get in, get it uh, signed in. The OAuth, the two-factor auth, it would get me there, and then it would crash. So I don't know. We'll just have to look for an update and try again. But yeah, I'd be curious to see. What incidentally, what I read though is that that was that was discussed even before Tinder took off. The idea was that it wasn't just going to be about a dating thing. It was really going to be about social engagement on a more broad level. So how people interact and meet each other. And so hmm. uh, I thought that was interesting. I didn't know that fact either. And uh, that's all I've got. I think I think I've talked enough about this. There's been some cool stuff coming out of CES. It's it's very early. This is the first day open to the public. We're gonna have a lot more to talk about on future episodes as as more stuff comes out the next few days. So stay tuned for that. That'll be a little teaser for what's to come. Um, 
what else are we going to tease out next time? We said that we're going to have another deep dive on uh, what's happening with the with the uh, processors. So yeah, I think that'll be a good a good uh, good segment. A lot of people, it's it's if we can, especially if we can distill it down to something that people can understand, because it's a very technical thing. It's a hardware related. Um, Yep. Your item that people don't know a whole lot about. So I think if we can distill it down into some way to explain it that people can understand, I think it'll be a good, good thing for people to know. Also, uh, go update your shit, update your machines, update your phones, update everything. Update all the things. Yeah. I've been hearing that a lot. Update. Except your iPhone. Why, why not update the iPhone? Because they'll slow, they'll slow it down. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Don't don't update your iPhone. You want it to slow down. <laughs> did I did I tell you on? The, I'm glad you brought that up. Actually, that was that should have been a, a show note. That was another thing that I I brought up in my uh, review of your guys' last episode. Fr- France is actually has a lawsuit against Apple because planned obsolescence is against the law there. Wow. And I mean, I could be wrong on that one. So I. I Call me crazy, but I think I already know who's going to win that one, especially since it's something they already like admitted to doing and are fighting public backlash with their battery replacement thing. Big time. Yeah, it's going to heat up. But good thing Apple has a couple hundred billion in the billions bank. and billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah they're 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 getting the, they'll be okay. I'm not too worried about them. It, on the on that note, though, there was some good feedback I heard from on Facebook. Actually, uh, some in the comments section on our our cast on episode number seven, one of our one of our uh, listeners there he had put out he'd gone to the Apple store to get a battery replacement, and they said, "Oh yeah, it'll be twenty nine bucks, and come back in an hour, it'll be done." And he came back in an hour, and they said, "Oh, you know, we couldn't actually replace your battery, so we're going to give you the same phone for thirty bucks." Still charging the twenty nine, but they gave him a replacement. I don't know what it was—an iPhone six, seven, whatever it was. It was the same model, same size. I hadn't heard that before, so I thought that was interesting. I've had that experience before. They're pretty good about that. If you have a repair that maybe they can't get done in a you know reasonable amount of time, or maybe I don't know if they don't have a technician available, or whatever the case may be, they have a whole stock of of I think what they amount to is refurb phones. You know, so they'll give you a refurb instead of making you sit there and wait. So I've had that happen to me a couple times. Certainly, I've heard of it on the warranty side, but I assumed it was out of warranty. I could be wrong about that, but uh, but that's nice. They're taking care of their people now anyway. That's good. So, fine folks at Apple. Well, that brings us to the end of our show here. Is there anything else we want to talk about today? I think we kind of run out of time. Yeah. So, reach out to us on social media. Let us know. Uh, let us know what you think of Mr. Joseph Boley on the show here. Do I got to do a uh, self-plug on my Twitter? Sure, why not? Uh, it's, it's at Rainbow Sparkle 420. Let me check this shit out really quick. Make sure he's not trying to. I'll I'll send it to you right now. I'm not I'm not shitting. I need you to follow me then too, because I'm four followers away from a hundred. <laughs> this is my Twitter handle. Rainbow Sparkle 420. Is that like a pink background? Yeah. Uh, I think I have sloth dolphins. <laughs> I'm so hilarious, and I left my filter at the door. So forget. Keep your panties on this. It's going to get fun. That's not you. Who is this? This is somebody else that's Rainbow Sparkle 420. No, hold on, hold on. No, I'm serious. Hold on. Let me. What is this kind of. I think I just got a virus on my machine. <laughs> what you Google? No, no. Yeah. Oh, you have an abbreviated. 
it's not sparkle spelled out. I did I did the full sparkle, and I got something a little different. No, it's S P R K L, dude. There was uh, limitations on the size of usernames back when I made that. Yeah. Well, he's honest. Sometimes I'm kind of funny. He says. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I've got a picture of Pat on there. Got a couple dogs. Yeah, look at those puppies. Look at those puppies. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm following you now. This is great. So you can follow Joseph Bowley at Rainbow S P K L S P R K L. No, no, no. S P R K L four twenty on Twitter. Follow him up. Yeah. Rate us on Facebook. Or rate us on uh, all the services. Rate us on uh, wherever you can. SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, etc., etc., etc. Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Email us. We did get the URL working, www.coffeecodecast.com. We did. It is working now. All the episodes are available on coffeecodecast.com. And listen to the more recent ones if you're a new subscriber, because we've had a few people mention that uh, they've listened to the first few, which I think are pretty rough. So hopefully you've made it to episode number 10 or any of the more recent ones. I was going to add a disclaimer that I... I I made I made that Twitter in middle school, so don't judge too hard. What, like four years ago? When the fuck was this? Oh my god. <laughs> March 2013 is when you joined, you fucking... It was four years ago. Oh, maybe it... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made it in high school then. <laughs> oh, listen hey, to that. it's 2018 now. It's five years ago. Five years. Almost five. Four and change. Yeah. That's why we gotta, that's why we gotta <laughs> fact check shit around here, because people try pulling this stuff on us all the time. Religious schools, right? I think so. <laughs>
You, I mean, maybe they didn't practice real heavily, but they're both technically religious schools, right? Yeah, I went to Pacific Lutheran University in, in Tacoma. Uh, you might have to cut this part out, but um, actually on my uh, application, I, I really didn't want to go there. And so I put, they asked for what religion I was, and I put Satanist. <laughs> and you got it. <laughs> and <I> <laughs> Well, we need diversity in our program, so let's bring him in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I have only told like four or five people that. Oh, <laughs> My boy. parents still don't know about that. So are you are you asking that we kindly remove that from the record or uh or uh, maybe it's okay. Yeah. So, uh <laughs> I don't know. I think, I, think I, don't... He, I think he has no comment on that, Kyle. So why don't you just use that at your discretion there? Yeah, use, use your own discretion on how uh, my work colleagues or future jobs might might take that. I guess I don't know. I don't know too much about. Oh boy. Well, there's already we Mike and I already have seven and a half hours of bullshit out there that people can use against us. So you yeah. might as well have some. Yeah, we might have a little dirt on you. I mean, it's only fair. There we go. You can you can blackmail me with that. And I don't. It's I, I doubt your parents know about your baby yet either, right? No, yeah, they, you got a lot to tell them on this episode, <clears throat> baby, and fucking. Yeah. Well, and I got. I grew up in a Fox News, Fox propaganda household. Sorry, I don't. I don't like to use the term news because I feel like it's disingenuous to their cause. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> having these uh, such progressive ideas might come out as a shock to them. <laughs> Well, Bully, it's up to you to let them know that you're on this episode, so I can't speak to the contents of what's been posted on this show, but I can say you can uh, decide whether or not you want to send that to them. Uh, boom. Boom. I would imagine they follow Rainbow Sparkle, don't they? Nope. They don't know about that one. <laughs> uh, I think they know my email address is similar, but not the same, uh, and I think they know about that one. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh boy. I think I, I have a I have a separate I haven't had the chance to uh tell you a story separately uh outside of work about um so you you know that and cut this out too. <laughs> <laughs> you know that picture of me on uh Facebook from Pride Week? I'm really glad we did the post show. <laughs> so am I. Um This is turning out to be a great post show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The uh the picture the picture of me on my Facebook from Pride Week after after I posted that on Facebook and had my profile picture, um I went to my mom's wedding and her and my aunt sat me down and were like, Okay, Joseph, you know, we're we're accepting and if you have anything to tell us, you can, you can go <laughs> ahead and just say it right now, just know we're gonna love you no matter what. And I was like I just looked at them straight in the eye, I was like, Mom, Aunt Jennifer, I'm straight. And I just took a I just took a picture of Pride Week. I don't know what you guys were expecting. <laughs> I did that with a straight face. That was pretty good. Well, I think it's good that you come out straight on the Coffee Codecast here and make it public. I think that's a good thing. <laughs> it's gonna settle a lot of disputes out there, huh? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I shouldn't. I should have not had this in recording. <laughs> I told you, Bully. I think I've told you, but I don't know if Mike was there when I told this story. Similar story. Of course, my roots are in the Midwest where everybody's pretty conservative or generally speaking are pretty conservative, although Iowa does sometimes flop on the liberal side. Anyway, uh, 
I do a lot of photography, as you both know, and I did a, uh, a photography job for a, uh, a gay couple. And as I was posting a few of the photos on Facebook, there was one that was um, of the grooms and the groomsmen, in this case. Uh, and I posted that up and I just posted something to the effect of like, you know, hey, these look at all these gentlemen looking really, really good or something like that. I don't remember what the, the exact words were. Uh, but my, my grandmother, who is very, very conservative and very, very anti-gay, liked that photo, I guess, thinking that maybe it was just like the groomsman party. I don't know exactly what she thought, but I was just like, oh, buddy, you have no idea what you're liking right here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> hey, she might listen to this. Who knows? She's, she's a pretty big guru with the iPad these days, so maybe she listens to the show. Although, she probably wouldn't uh, approve of all of our swearing, I would imagine. Well, for fuck's sake, Kyle. Can't can't win them all. <laughs> Gosh darn it. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> Shoot. Oh, don't you know. Second podcast. 